Bruch is an electric toothbrush that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth. With powerful sonic technology and ultra-gentle bristles, the Bruch redefines what it means to have super clean teeth. It's like that feeling when you just leave the dentist, a fresh, whole mouth clean every single day. Our listeners get 15% off their total purchase with code POD15. Follow the link in the show notes and enter the code POD15 to get your exclusive discount and upgrade your oral care routine. What up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Black Expat Podcast. My name is Carl, and I'm excited to be rocking with you guys for yet another episode. I am back. It is the end of April. This will be my final live broadcast before my two-week break because I have gone full steam ahead for the past four months putting together some amazing podcasts for you guys. If you have not already, make sure you check out the Her Story series of my podcast. It's seven episodes that are all really amazing from amazing women all around the world doing incredible things from Portugal to a third culture kid who lived abroad in England and in Taiwan and in America and to someone out in Spain who has her own podcast called Flourish in the Foreign. Uh, make sure you guys check out the Her Story series of the podcast that I brought to you guys as well. Now, also, remember I, pa I paused my YouTube channel temporarily because I was looking to gain a certain number of followers. I have gained 50 followers since then. If you have not already, make sure you go to the Black Expat Podcast YouTube channel, and it's called the Black Expat Podcast YouTube channel to subscribe to that channel. But enough with all that. I am very, very excited today to be joined by an amazing young black man living out in Korea who's going to share his story about how he got to Korea and more, right? He's also a published author. And we want to talk about his black traveler's guide that he made, the rationale behind it, so on and so forth, and really dive deep into his experience so far. So once he's ready to call into the show, we will go right ahead and get his interview underway. So Philip, whenever you're ready, you can go ahead and call in and we'll jump right in to the interview but as we wait just a few updates um it is april uh so you know starting to get a little bit warm outside things are starting to pick up but i know people are asking like are you gonna you know take the summer off and the answer is no i will not be doing that i'll be going full steam ahead continuously in the summer i'll be taking two weeks off every three months of not podcasting and um you know and, you know, just like jumping right into it. So I think we're ready to get started with the interview. Philip, are you there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Over. Yes, I can. I can hear you loud and clear. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. And yourself? I'm doing well. This is actually the first time in a long time I've had a podcast with someone who's on a similar time zone as me. Because what time is it there? It's uh, I'm in South Korea. So it's uh, 11.03 right now, a.m. Korea yeah, Standard Time. And it's 10 a.m. in Taiwan. I'm usually like on these later night calls in Taiwan because of people's time difference. But if right. you don't mind. I just kind of want to jump right into the interview, if that's okay with you. Would you just, yes. would you mind introducing yourself, a little bit about your background, your history, um, and what landed you in Korea? Sure. Uh, well, I'll go by the, blur, uh, the Blurred Explorer, but uh, my name is Phil. Uh, I'm from South Carolina. I moved to South Korea back in, um, oh my gosh, May 2016. And what led me to come to teach English in South Korea was I was uh, teaching, well, actually, I was in my last semester of college in a uh, I went to university in uh, uh, fall 2015, right? Hmm. And I was trying to find a job, like, as you do, like, trying to find a job at, after graduation. 
And I just couldn't find nothing, not even close to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I, where I went to school by. And, uh, and on my university's job board, I saw an ad about teaching English in South Korea. And so I thought, okay, let me look a little bit more into this detail. And then I looked more more into the idea about teaching abroad. And I always wanted to travel abroad, but I, you know, I just want to go through the military route, like most, like a lot of black people do typically. And so I saw that. So, okay, let's give this teaching ESL teaching thing a, lot, a shot. And uh, I've been doing it that since uh, 2016. So, like, when you were thinking about coming out here, because, like, I know you kind of found it on a job board and things like that, yeah. was how did you initially feel about teaching, like, your first time in the classroom? Was it, did it reach your level of expectation or was it completely different than what you even expected it to be? It was definitely different. Uh, now, for the record, I'm not, I'm not a teaching major. I'm a business major, actually. Oh, okay. ESL teaching. So pretty much literally as long as immediately looking into this now, I realize that this is not uh, how they said ESL teaching. Like you can literally do it as long as you have a four-year degree and clean mm-hmm. background check. Yeah. And of course, as you know, like not everybody's meant to be a teacher. Like you should now yeah, somebody who's doing this now I realize, yeah, I probably shouldn't have started in the beginning, you know, because obviously I'm not educated. So obviously it's one of those jobs where you learn as you go. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, you don't really get as many experience or as a uh, depending on who you work for. Some people will say, "Here's the book, here's the textbooks, go at it, have fun, go teach." Right. Or others will be like, "Hey, here, um, we will let you, you know, shadow the teacher, see how it goes, and then you'll start teaching." You know, you know. Mm. And, so, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So I've been most. I started mainly in the uh, private English academies, also known as Korean Hogwans, English Hogwans. These uh, after-school English uh, programs, where it's you know kids that come out right out of school to go study English for X amount of hours, and I recently been doing uh, public school. I switched over in 2020, but uh, 2021 this year was really my first time teaching in a public school, so it's completely different than what I've been doing. Oh wow! So like, how how were you received? Just like as a black man coming from America, and like your first. Your, your first year or so living out in Korea, did you have like great mean, meaningful interactions? Was it easy for you to meet friends there? Um, how did you adjust socially to living in Korea? Uh, socially, not so much. Um, I mostly, well, my first few months, I've been working at a terrible job. So like one, my first job really actually ended up shutting down and no one got paid. So obviously that took a toll on me. Uh, I mean, I met some of the other expats in the area and stuff, so you knew but um, I think what really made it easier to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, to, I guess, socialize, meet other people, other expats was uh, me. I played video games a lot, so I met some other people later on that year through, um, I met a really good friend, Rachel, of mine, uh, through Pokemon uh, Sword, no, Sun and Moon on their 3DS when they had started doing the tournaments over there in Korea, over here in Korea. And also did like a rec sports, like a ultimate frisbee. I joined that a few times, so that helped a lot. Meet new people, travel around the country and stuff. Oh wow! Okay, That's, that sounds pretty cool then. Yeah. So, what are some things that have been hard for you to adjust to while you've been living in Korea so far? Um, buying clothes. <laughs> <laughs> now, for the record, I'm a, I'm pretty tall, so I'm like six seven, two hundred centimeters tall. So oh, honestly, yeah. So just the idea of trying to buy clothes is just a pain in the butt. Like even at like international brands like H and M, whatnot, or like Nike, or even like retail shoe stores like uh, what's it called ABC Mart. Like they may have your size, but the quality and the quantity is not val- It's not gonna be as high. Okay. 
So that's usually the downside is like you can't really go. I can't really go to any clothes shop. Even I went to like the capital, like big cities, like Seoul, Daegu, Busan, right? Like I just there's not really a good chance I'll be able to find something. Yeah, it, it's so, just not really. Yeah, for me, as or on Amazon, I have it shipped here. It's like it's just not worth the hassle because at least I know if I go to Amazon or other you know U.S. based stores, I'll know I can at least find something in my size without much hassle. Yeah, I'm not like, again, I'm nowhere near six, seven, but I've always wondered, like, how do people who are, you know, t- taller than the average person, how do you find yeah. clothes? And honestly, not just in Korea, but also in America. Like, again, I I just never went to places like this. I'm like, hey, are those? I'm sure they exist, but I imagine that it's a little bit harder to find those things. So, like, with that being said, was it hard to find the food that you liked in Korea or was that or was the food there something that you were already kind of used to? Um. I never really truly had Korean food till I came here, but I enjoy it a lot. Uh, mm. I love Korean food. I'm a foodie person. I'll eat anything. I'll at least try anything once. Try a food at least one time, see if I like it or not. Mm. Uh, now, I will admit, for those, if you have, like, uh, health problems, like high cholesterol, high blood pressure, then you may want to avoid Korean food because that's a high, high sodium count. A lot yeah. of food. Korean dishes have, like, a lot of sodium in it. You need to ferment it. Like, kimchi has, like, a high sodium count. Okay, and then my last question before we jump right into questions about the Black Travelers Guide that you've created recently is, how did you build community in Taiwan? I'm sorry, in Korea. And then how did you find a community for you that, you know, that that fit and that worked for you and that made daily life living in Korea um, that much easier for you? Um, Honestly, Super Smash Brothers, that's how I got found out. Well, yeah, so for the record, so in Korea, as you know, like probably just like in Taiwan, like usually, you know, console gaming has never been popular over here. Hmm. So obviously Smash Bros. scene hasn't been as popular, but when, you know, the Nintendo Switch came out and Smash Ultimate came out on the Switch, it blew up, like, a lot. And uh, another community I found, like, again, uh, I did a little bit of time um, with the Ultimate Frisbee, so I met other people. Um, and of course, you know, people who I worked with usually would go out to eat. And um, one guy, when I worked in Daegu, I met a brother named Brandon. Uh, we became really good friends, and we still chat. We hung out, too. Uh, we recently hung out while I was back in Daegu. Uh, he was about to head back to Japan to be with his wife and, ch- and uh, child right now. But um, oh. it usually helps. Yeah. No, sorry, about, sorry no, about that. I got really loud. <laughs> it happens. It usually helps to find a community that you're used to, that you're normal to. Like, say, me, I did Pokemon. I did Smash Bros. I found other natives, foreigners who play Pokemon, Pokemon Go. So that helped a lot. Uh, usually helps, you know, start in the beginning. Then, of course, you go always expand and move out to other, like, activities, rec leagues, et cetera, et cetera, to see what, you know, what fits you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. So uh, I definitely want to jump into the, the the Black Traveler's Guide, right? And I, got, I, I definitely want to give you time and space to kind of introduce it to us, to talk about what it means, then the entire development process behind it. So, I mean, my first question would be, what is it and what prompted you to want to create that for the black expat community? Sure. Um, really, it's just like any generic travel guide you'll find anywhere in the world, to be honest. But the reason I focus on black and uh, one of my friends, uh, she asked me about this. Why, why are you just doing black people? Like, why are you just focusing on just one demographic? And I was trying to tell her, like, I mean, yeah, I could easily done that, like another generic travel guide to fit everybody, make it feel comfortable. But the thing is, I was trying to explain, like, for black people, a lot of us, especially African Americans, most of us had never really had the opportunity to travel, explore the world, right? 
Oh, let me ask you this. How many black people that you know personally that traveled abroad that wasn't military? Well, yeah. both. Okay. Uh, people that I haven't met because of my podcast. Yeah. Um, podcast. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's been uh, it's been very few, very few. Yeah, exactly. Like I would say, it's very few to almost none for at least most black people. We don't know anybody who hasn't done that. Like even me, I could think of, like two or three people at, at most who traveled abroad that wasn't military. Like they did it for fun, you know. Hmm. And of course, like and for me, especially like in the recent years, you've seen a lot more black travelers, black YouTubers, IG models, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But yeah. the thing is, a lot of us, you know. We start learning. We still don't know about travel. A lot of us have never. Um, I'm pretty sure you probably experienced like when you travel, look at other countries. You're probably wondering, is it racist? What's it like to travel as a black person in this said country, right? And yeah, there's. I mean, Lonely Plan, Nat Geo, all those guys. You know, they have good travel books. You know, that'll fit for everybody. But honestly, as especially when you go to a homogenous nation like a like Korea, right? Where foreigners will get stared at, but obviously the darker you are, the more stares you're going to get. Yeah. So it's usually to help those who never traveled before, and of course, just find give like you know simple ideas, places you can check out from time to time. pushed me to it was, okay, what about a travel guy? Like, what's some, because I was listening to this um, uh, webinar series, I, I can't remember the name of it, uh, talking about how to make money, turn your side project to like side money, you know, make side hustle, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea was like, wait, no one's done a travel guy for black people. Why not do something like that? And right. later on that same month, I found out from my boss, she was telling him that we're going to, I was working at an English center in elementary school and we never opened up because of COVID. And she told, she informed me that we were originally going to be shut down for a few months during the summertime. It'll open up in the fall. So that kind of gave me an excuse, you know, keep me busy, keep me occupied. So I wrote the first book, you know, kept me busy, got a chance to go explore outside the city, you know, while social distancing, while being careful, of course. Right. And the first bit, uh, book was more like as a test drive to see, as same thing with Daegu, like the next book I'm writing, like as a test drive to see, like, is there demand? Are there people interested in this type of content? And so far, there has been interest and it shows that, yeah, people will definitely like to see this, like to see more of this. But now the reason I focus on Inchon and Seoul and uh, Daegu's was, um, like I said, Seoul and Busan, you can find almost anything on YouTube, books, whatever, blogs, podcasts, you find it's completely saturated, like it's been done to death. Like, So that's why I focus on that. I wanted to show people like, hey, Seoul and Busan, they're nice, but there's other cities out there that you can check out and you'll have a great, just as much of a good time and also a little bit more affordable. Right. And I think that's something that I've definitely learned just from creating content, you know, on YouTube podcasts and also blogging as well, is that everyone absorbs and takes in information in a different way. And I think there's no there's no there's no such thing as too much information. And I think that what you've created definitely fits into a large majority of people and how they like to, you know, receive and take in information. You know, I was a big component of, oh, let's just make a video and people 
Some people don't like watching videos. They'd rather have something to read they could print out or yeah. like a book and a novel they can kind of take with them along their journey and yeah, see yeah. what places to go. And also everyone's experience is different, right? So even though uh, I may have gone to the same place as you, we may have done different things and kind of perceived them in a different way. So this is actually, I mean, it's, it's just amazing content. So when someone picks up one of your books, right, uh, yeah. what can they expect to gain and what information do or what information do you think stands out the most to just you know your basic everyday first time traveler picking up a book trying to learn about the places that you've written about uh places i focus on mostly um i focus on places you know like downtown daegu uh shopping areas some uh potential areas you can go hiking through the outdoor type hmm. but i want to give it a spin on it like as you know like uh it made it, i mean i want to write as though as somebody who's actually been there who's done it who's not like you know who's working for the lonely planet, who's just like, you know, just crunching, you know, to um, uh, just write something, just, you know, to have numbers, right? I wanted to make it feel more right. personal, like as is somebody who's actually done this, you know, who's not on a deadline, who's not, you know, trying to get these numbers up, you know, you know what I mean? So yeah, you, yeah, exactly. when you read this book, like, you don't have to be black to read this, of course, like anybody can read this, but um, I wanted to make it feel as though, like, this is somebody who's done this before, you can still have a good time. It's probably not, it's not as thick as, you know, your other travel guides you find anywhere, but it's just like, it's good enough, especially for like a first time traveler. Like this will keep you busy for sure. Absolutely. And I think again, and um, oftentimes I, I know I've gotten this question to people like, oh, well, why is it the Black Expat Podcast? Can you interview different people on here? Uh, and I know like with the Black Travels Guide, the people may think that, oh, it's just only for black people. It's like, no, yeah. um, uh, but but I think it it, it, it points to a larger point that we kind of talked about at the beginning where it's like a lot of us don't travel as much, right? So we have to put the term in there so that we know other people that may have not had the opportunity to do what we've done, know that, hey, you're black and yes, you can travel. Because again, when you go on YouTube, tons of white people out here doing this stuff for decades, yeah, exactly. right? Because I mean, it was just what they would do. Yeah, exactly. Don't get me wrong. There's some great content where people like, uh, wasn't it, Drew Binsky, uh, Mark Weens. Mm -hmm. uh, I forgot the name, Best Review, like so a couple of white guys. I love their content, right? Yeah. But honestly, a white person is going to get have a totally different experience than a black person. Like, exactly. Even like even like anybody like somebody from Southeast Asia, obviously, is going to have a totally different experience than a white person. You know, in Korea or in Asia, really, right? When you're traveling. So that's why that's why I focus on black because again, like anybody's welcome to read it, but again, it's more I want people to realize that obviously a white person will, and you can ask any expat in Korea, they'll tell you yes. The stairs, if, if whoever gets the most stairs, is always people with darker complexions than a white person. Yeah, sure, white people will get the looks, but when a black person walks through, I've seen it before, people got quiet, people mm -hmm. started speaking loudly, and like, holy shit, that's like kind of like, wait, sorry, am I allowed to swear on your podcast? Yep, yep, that's fine. Okay, I, I just want to be sure. It's kind of like that, holy shit, it's a black guy. Like, people will stop and stare. Like, true story, when I was writing the first book, right, I was, um, I went to a, a fish market, right? Mm. To an older part of Incheon. I was with a friend of mine, a Korean friend of mine. Uh, we were walking around, and now she's pretty tall too. Like, and she knows, like, I was getting scared that we were getting talked about a lot more. Like, we were getting talked about, but me, I was getting the heavy talked about. Every, everybody's pausing the conversations, talking about me and stuff. And even when I was by myself, that happens a lot too. But again, I also emphasize on both books, like it's all about curiosity. Because again, South Korea, like most of Asia, is homogenous. So obviously, somebody who's not East Asian is going to get talked about. But obviously, a black person, mm -hmm. that's going to be really talked about. 
Like it's like that's something you don't see every day for a lot of people, especially yeah, the older I- generation too. The very young and the very old generations, they usually don't see it. Like usually, even for they like, say ESL teacher, like a lot of the Korean kids, they mostly only have white teachers. Yeah, and like again, I can only imagine being, you know, again, I'm an average sized person at five foot eight, but being six foot seven as well. I know, like in Taiwan, when you're in when you're in small spaces, um, yeah. being you know just as being a tall individual plays a part into it. But I, I think like what you said, you know, it's extremely valid. It's our experience traveling we cannot take the black away, right? We are, we stand out in many different ways because as you said, and as we pointed out, a lot of us just haven't been doing it. And the thing is, like I've been, I've been living abroad in Taiwan for 11 years, right? And I traveled to over 50 countries by the time I was 25, right? I'm sorry, by the time I was 30 years old, right? But every black expat, new black expat I've met or even older black expats, we all have the same stories. Even yeah. like after 10 or 11 years, we're still saying the same thing. We're still getting stares. We're still getting all these things that are happening to us. And it makes me know that, again, we're still not out there as much as we can be or as much as I would hope we could be. Yeah. Um, and that our stories and our black perspective stories are important because the next generation behind us, once they get out here in the world, we want them to know, hey, this is how you can handle it. And we are kind of, you know, paving the way for them to not have those exactly. weird encounters that we've had as well. Exactly. Well, honestly, and usually I'm the type of person, I don't like sugarcoat stuff. I'm- I want to let them know, like, hey, this will happen to you. Mm-hmm. But again, just remember, it's just remember, the people they never really see black people a lot. Like, I mean, I mean, you'll see them like in Daegu, like especially because there's an army base in um, I forgot the name of the base. There's an army base in Daegu, though. But so of course, the people have seen black people around from time to time. But again, it's just not very common to see for them, especially for the older generation too. You know, and yeah. Again, you're right, because obviously we have different stories than than a white person. Yeah, we may have done the same stories, we have the same experience, we may have gone to the same locations, had different did the same activities, but again, usually a black person will have a totally different experience than a white person. Absolutely. And you know, going back to the Korean friend of mine, like I told her, like, listen, when we hang out together, people are gonna stop staring at you, they're gonna start looking at me. And she didn't believe me. And I thought <laughs> And of course, like I was saying, because we're both tall, but like as we walked around, did stuff, restaurants, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I told her, I can't. she couldn't believe it. I'm like, I told you. Like, <laughs> we hang out. Like, they're going to look at me. Like, it, it happens a lot. I mean, it, it's, it can be a little bit taxing at times, but it's like, again, it's like, it's, it's just got constant reminder that, listen, you're a black man in Asia. Asia. That's something you don't see every day. Absolutely. So what are some of the goals that you have for these current publications that you have out already? And then like, are you looking to do more in the future? Are you looking to expand to different locations or like put together a network of people to do these things? Um, actually, I was, yeah, I was, most of these two books were like kind of like a test drive to see, you know, test the market as a sample, see if people will be interested in this kind of content. And so far it has been. There's definitely interest for sure. And um so I'm actually looking to make a whole travel book on the whole country of South Korea. So, and possibly do other countries too as well. Oh, wow. That's huge. So like when you say make a travel book, does that mean that you're going to make it a point to, or, 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 or maybe you already have to travel all over South Korea and then at each location, like share your own personal perspective on each place that you go and put that inside. Pretty much, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it includes Seoul and Busan as well too. Um, but yeah, this is more like a, like a side project I might do, like kind of keep me busy, you know? Yeah. Uh, go ahead. How, how is COVID out there? Like, like, is it still easy to pretty much navigate Korea for the most part? 
Uh, you still can. Obviously, you got to wear masks on public transportations. Um, right now, at the time of this recording, uh, the government, since I think last summer, the restrictions were you can only, only in groups of people, you can only have up to five people in a group. Like, mm. no, no more, no less. Even at restaurants, tables, you only get meet up to five people. Wow. And of course, as you know, like, even like, uh, downtown, for example, Myeongdong, like a popular downtown area for shopping, restaurants, all that jazz. It felt different. Like, it felt weird to see restaurants and bars shut down. Like, people losing their jobs, of course. Because, you know, because yeah. of restrictions. And, like, for example, downtown Daegu. I used to li- live in Daegu for a year. And it felt so weird to go back downtown and to see how, you know, people are interacting. Like, cause usually, like, Downtown on the weekends, Friday nights, packed. Mm-hmm. Like the streets are narrow, like super packed. People walking around, getting drunk, all that jazz, having a good time. Nowadays, I mean, it's there, but it's not as like lively as it used to be. Mm-hmm. And of course, like I did my part to stay in because at the time while I was being furloughed, I was furloughed from like July up to February of this year. Yeah, and up to uh, February 2021. Okay. And so I stayed at home all times as much as possible because I knew, like, if I got sick, tested positive, it could probably hurt my chances of finding another job. Right. So, you know, I wasn't taking any precautions. So I didn't really, I hardly, hardly ever went out unless we're grocery shopping, going for a jog, trip to the gym. And that's, that's about it, really. Because, mm. you know, again, I didn't want to take that risk. Well, yeah, that's something that um, that's actually an interesting topic I'll look into. It's like, how did it like I, I think I talked about it a little bit before, like how it affected how the how COVID affected expats. And I know a lot of us it affected a lot because unfortunately there's still that xenophobia. Like, uh, of course, if, every time there's an outbreak, a case like usually, you know, foreigners, if this, especially the foreigners of all, like it gets blasted on the news and such. Yeah. And it's like, wait, and of course, the expat community is like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This ain't us. Like most of the kids, <laughs> y'all. Like you're yeah. the ones who get getting drunk at the stupid. Like I'm, I'm tired of staying at home too. I want to go out. I want to do stuff too. But again, like I'm doing my part to stay at home. Like if this is what it takes me to keep me alive, keep me healthy, keep my friends, people I care about healthy, I'll stay at home as best as I need to. You know. But um, yeah. Like okay, true story. Um, last year, last May, um, there was a huge outbreak in uh, was the city of uh, Itaewon. In, uh, oh, Itaewon. Yeah. You know, uh, have you heard of Itaewon? Yep, I've been there before. Okay, so uh, so you know how like there's a, some big uh, LGBT clubs over there too, like Korean LGBT clubs, right? Yeah. Over there. So there was a big outbreak at a gay Korean gay bar, and there was a lot of concerns with the Koreans because obviously, for those who don't know, South Korea is the worst place to be if you're Korean and LG, LGBT because there's hmm. you can be fired for being gay, basically. Oh wow. It could affect your life, like it could ruin your life if you're found out being gay for both men and women, Korean men and women. Hmm. Like you lose friends, family, your job. And so when the Korean government, you know, is cracking down, uh, like trying to like, you know, follow the receipts, you know, look at people's bank books, who's at the club, right? Those are the massive concern. Like what if people find out, oh, if the government finds out, you know, I, I use my credit card to pay for, you know, for the drinks at this gay club. Family, friends, even possibly my employer is going to find out I was at this club. They're going to think I'm gay. I could probably lose everything. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like, literally, that felt coming following Monday, I came into work. My boss asked me, 
asked me and my co-teacher, did you go to ET1? Did you go to ET1? And of course, you know, understandably, like, you know, boss is trying to concern, like, if we went down there to be safe. And of course, other expats around the country, my friends got that same question. Did you go to ET1 over this weekend? And some of the photos that happened recently, right? Uh, in the Gyeonggi-do province, like Seoul, Incheon, Buchan, like in the capital area, they had the Korean government uh, had all the foreigners go get tested. Like it was a last minute adventure. Like you had to go get tested. But the problem was there are very few locations, right? So people were stood in line for hours, possibly catching more, you know, you know, possibly causing people to get infected and stuff. Like, and of course, you know, the expat community, mostly white people, complain about this is discrimination, this is xenophobia. And you know, black folk, we were joking, I'm like, oh, this is your first time facing discrimination? <laughs> but I mean, don't get me wrong. It, I mean, I get why the Korean government did it, but at the same time, it's you rushed it. Like, you gotta like make sure if you're gonna do testing, if you want to do testing, that's fine. But you gotta make sure there's more plenty more options, you know, go get tested. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Say, like saying Go to these two, three locations. You got to have at least like 10, 12 different spots to spread out to be safe, you know? Yeah, I know in Taiwan to get tested because someone has handled it fairly well. It's only been like, you know, less than 200 cases altogether uh, over this over the years. But um, it costs like 5,000 NT just to get the test. Yeah, so. I, I want to go back to Taiwan. I went back. I went there for the first time uh, May 2019 for a three-day mm-hmm. weekend. I want to come back to visit there. I loved it. There's so much I, I missed. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I've always said like Taiwan is a, it's a it's not the best place to visit, but it's a great place to live. But if you visit with the right people and you know, like like mentioned in hiking and nature and just getting out and doing different things, it's an amazing place to go and visit. You know, like to come and visit um, and be a part of. But like I know with like creating your novels and like all the research that goes into it and still maintaining a full time job and even with COVID, um, there's so many challenges to stop us from like finishing things, right? I mean, a lot of projects people may start and they don't see through to the end. Um, what helped you, like what were your motivating factors that helped you to finish these projects? Um, and did finishing them help you become more motivated to do it again in different areas? Uh, for sure. Um, so only went to Daegu twice. Now at the time when I was furloughed, I was also on a reduced salary, so I couldn't really go out and do much. And I was struggling, you know, pay bills and everything, right? So I only went to Daegu twice in November and February, just for a week, for a few days. So you gotta recharge, take pictures. And what kept me busy is like, you know, going to these locations, taking a lot of photos, you know, writing down notes. So each every other day or so, I would go to a PC cafe, you know, sit down, write notes, and you know. And make it make sense, make it to a paragraph. But what made me keep going was the fact that obviously I had fun with it. Uh, mm. It kept me busy for sure. It kept me kept me a huge distraction while I was also job search job searching too at the same time. And so that's what let me keep going. And not to mention the fact that I see that. This content for this, like I know there's demand for this. It's got to get the word out, and there's people like other readers, black readers, non-white readers, who will have fun with reading this book, even don't plan to go to Korea or dig it itself. It's just something like it could be like a good distraction, something to read, of course. But yeah, exactly. yeah exactly. it's just yeah, and for me, it's like for a project like this, it's like if I started something, I needed to finish it, you know. Yeah. So like where, where where is home for you now? And like do you plan on living in other places or like is your heart in Korea and that's gonna be a place you end up staying for, you know, a, a very long time? Probably the next few years until I get bored and it's like, yeah, I'm done, I wanna go out, move somewhere else. 
Uh, right now, I actually just yeah, I actually got a new job at a this is like a last minute hire at public school in the on the east coast in a small town called Uljin. Uh, actually, I found this job uh, while I'm currently working at an elementary school. Mm. Um, how to find it? Like, yeah, it was a it was one of these last minute hires. Like, because usually the city has a hard time retaining teachers because not a lot of foreigners want to w- work in a small town, rural town like this. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like, listen, if you give me a job, I don't care what public school says. I don't care where public school takes me as long as I have a job. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, no, let's I, get a job first. Location, worry about the location later. And after we get the experience post-COVID, so we can go somewhere else, you know? Yeah. Man, so like, is there anywhere? I know I know you mentioned like wanting to visit Taiwan, but like anywhere that you could see yourself living. Because my, my place, I've always said this, I want to retire in New Zealand, right? After visiting yeah. there, I was there for maybe 10 days and just going all over the place and seeing the, the way it felt to me. So you know what? This can be a second home for me down the line. Not now because it's kind of yeah. slow, but down. Is there any place that you've just either read about or, you know, saw a YouTube clip and you're like, you know what? That place, now that you've lived abroad, it's like that place could be home or feels like it could be home for me. Uh, Definitely Taiwan. I I actually thought, I actually looked into about teaching in Taiwan Mm. for some time, but I might do that next. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I enjoy Malaysia too. Uh, Maybe Philippines, no promises on that, of course. (laughs) Right now, or maybe just for the Thailand, I, I guess right now, or maybe I actually did Consider maybe come. I want to go back to Portugal. I actually visited Portugal in Twitch, Lisbon, uh, lives in Portugal in 2017, 2018. And I mm-hmm. want to go back there someday too to visit. Okay, possibly live there too. I don't know yet. Um, right now, it's more of as you, as you, I'm pretty sure many of you guys Right now, it's more of I'll just focus on just this job first. Let's get real. Right now, it's more let's get reorganized, let's get more financially stable. Then we can worry about where we're going to work and live, you know, in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, that makes complete sense. I know a friend, my best friend, I've been to Portugal too. And he, when he went, he's like, yeah, I'm living there for sure. Like that's been on his things of his list of things to do. I mean, it's harder to get, you know, jobs and stuff out there, but um, again, if, if, if you can find something that fits, it's, I have, I know, I think the, 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 the creator of the expat app, I think Char, I think she still lives, she lives out there in Portugal now. She does some amazing work too. So oh, yeah. um, that's, that's definitely a, a place to visit. So I did an interview with her too, uh, last year. I need to go see if I can get back on there again. Yeah, I actually checked it out. I actually went back, you know, doing my podcast research for the interview. I went, uh, <laughs> I checked out the interview you did with Char. Cause I was on there too. Um, I think in around my birth, no, around Valentine's day in February. Okay. Uh, on her, expat chat which is pretty cool um so this is part of the podcast do you have any questions for me or is there anything else that you would like to talk about um, regarding your project anything else we missed out that we can kind of dive deeper into um no you guys me uh no i can't think of them oh yeah so what let me what led you to start this podcast uh, what led you to travel to live abroad um well to well long it's a very long story of how i ended up traveling abroad but long story i studied i went to egypt when i was 21 that was something i always wanted to do then i studied abroad in beijing and then i've been studying chinese for so long for four years and then you know my advisor was like what are you going to do with it i was like i don't i I had ideas he's like you know what you should just go and live abroad in taiwan you become fluent and then come back home uh and then i ended up coming to taiwan after a year i love the job i love the weather i you know i love the health care and i love the ability to travel and then I think travel, first it was teaching. I actually genuinely love teaching then. Uh, I like teaching now, but I'm not as in love with it as I was you know, when I was 21 years old. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what kept me here. But 
what, what got me to stay and then what kept me here was the ability to travel and have, you know, four months of vacation, paid vacation a year, which is just, you know, unheard of back at home. Right. So it's like, yeah. you know what, why not travel? And then, uh, like you said, and this is why I started one of the biggest reasons I started the podcast is because, like you said, I, we would travel to all these places and we would not see people that looked like us, like black men that were especially black American men or black American yeah. women. We just didn't see them. anywhere. we were like, man, what is why is that the case? And I was like, you know what? I, I can start a podcast and I can do you know videos. It's kind of to show what my experience and, and hope my experience is. And hopefully that inspires others to you know, want to get out and see the world and do different things. And even if they don't want to do it, they can see someone else is doing it. They may know someone else who is interested in things like that. So I I was actually the first, the very first podcast of its kind uh, five years ago. And it just started with me sharing stories. And now it's kind of evolved into me sharing other people's stories as well and learning from them as much as I've learned from you and reading your book so far today. Like when I go to Korea, now I know where to go. Uh, So again, it's, it's, it's been an amazing experience so far. Okay, great. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, actually, you're the first interview I did for the second book. Actually, you're the first one who um doing this interview for my new book, actually. Really? Oh, well, thank you. I'm really, I really appreciate that. Again, I'm going to, I've been uh, in, 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 in post-production also on YouTube. I'll definitely be talking about it and sharing it as well. Um, yeah. And encouraging people to go out and, you know, support black business and also read some great information. A lot of people talk about Korea and they've only been to, like you said, Seoul. They yeah. don't know that there's so much more to Korea, you know, than just so, so like out of the two books you've written so far, which one would you say? Um, I want to say the one that's used the word favorite, but which one? Uh, which one enlightened you the most? I guess I would say when, when you were actually making it and sitting down and putting it together. Um, I'm a, I'm a little bit biased because I actually lived in Daegu. Actually, it's my favorite city I lived in. So I'm going mm-hmm. with Daegu, the second book. Okay. Uh, for one, it's more of the fact that. I got out more, explored the city a lot more than I ever did while I was living in Daegu. Uh, I'm I'm a bit introverted, but like working at these uh, after school English academies, hogwans, like it just drains you. Like you just don't want to go out and do anything. Mm. Like it kind of it's one of those jobs like it's so crushing. Like it, I mean, job is fine itself. Like coworkers are fine and everything, but it's just like. It's one of the jobs you work very long hours. Pay wasn't really, you know, worth it. And it's like, it just, we, it was the weekends. Like you just want to stay at home and recover. You know what I mean? No, no, I, absolutely. And I think that's, and again, when I was 21, 22, I had all this energy. I'd be at work from eight, you know, six, seven, eight, go out, have dinner, you know, do a little drinking, wake back up and do it again. But, you know, as time went on, it's like, oh man, this is kids. are Kids are a lot. Kids are a lot of work. They, they really, especially the little, little ones. Like I always, Preferred high school. It's more chill, more laid back. I can actually preserve my energy, things like that. But yeah. when you get to the little ones, it's, you know, getting them to sit down and just listen is, yeah. you know, hard in of itself. And then in their second language is even harder. So, yeah, I can oh, yeah. definitely. Like, definitely I mean, I'm that. teaching uh, elementary. Like, I, uh, I went to, I did this a little bit of stuff in middle school and some high schoolers. But I, figured, I realized elementary is my thing. This is my thing. I enjoy elementary more, but I just don't like kindergarten. That's way too much energy for me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have, I don't have like that mentality for kindergarten to ha- handle little little ones like that, but uh, but yeah, uh, I, I think it's so. What led me to really, I guess, what taught me for this book is like one to you know realize, hey, I don't always have to rely on just a paycheck. I always earn a little bit of money on the side like this. Um, maybe we could also, I'm also considering maybe starting YouTube channels and stuff too, like kind of like those food based YouTube channels, travel foodie channels. Mm-hmm. 
I'm considering that right now. Um, that will let me to. It really inspired me to try these other ideas I never really considered. You know. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, is, is there anything else you'd like to mention or jump into, or any more questions for me? Um, no, I got nothing else. Uh, if that uh, the book Black Charles Guide to Daegu is going to come out May first, mm. uh, twenty twenty one, so next weekend. So uh, you can buy the book. It's only going to be ebook format only. So you can buy the book either Amazon, Google Playbooks, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, Scribe, and what really all the ebooks are sold really. Uh, and if you want, you guys uh, check me out on Instagram at the Blurred Explorer. So that's so you can keep up with me while I'm doing all that jazz. Uh, do you have any other questions for me? Nope. I think uh, I covered all of my key points again. So thank you so much for uh, for joining the show. It was more than a pleasure having you on the show today. Um, I'm excited to uh, to purchase the book once it's released uh, May 1st. Again, always about supporting Black business. But thank you so much, Philip, for joining us today on the Black Expat Podcast. Hope you have a great remainder, a wonderful Saturday out yeah. there in Korea. And uh, again, for everyone listening and tuning in, uh, the post-production and on the live show, don't forget I'll put links to everything that we talked about today in the description, uh, including this Instagram, uh, links to the book, um, as well as a link to any other information I have for you guys out there as well. So again, thank you, Philip, for joining us. Uh, have a great day. And thank you to everyone for tuning in to another episode of the Black Expat Podcast. Hope you guys had a good time today. Don't forget to like, share, and like, subscribe, and share this episode. And also check out my new episode on YouTube coming up next weekend. You won't want to miss out. So again, thank you, Philip. I'm Carl. Thanks a lot, man. No problem. Have a good day. I'm Carl, the Black Expat. We are out of here.